Nick. Yes. How are you? I'm we're, doing We're doing good. a thing together. Yeah. It's, it's been like a while. We, we never talk. Like I'm thinking about the time that we've ever been on each other's shows or like that we've actually talked except for during Thanksgiving, which I was think, a long time ago. I think that's correct. And the live event, which doesn't really count for right. in this context because we were together, but like I was the one yammering away and you were just being merely uh, utterly supportive and helpful um, <laughs> and taking no glory for yourself, I may add, um, such as it is. So I think it's really fun that we're doing this because like you correctly corrected me and you did it in a way that was really generous and kind and reminded me that I, in fact, don't know anything about science at all. Like nothing. You'd ever in a million years say that kind of thing to me, but you could. Right. You it's... could. I'm giving you permission to the future. Like, Rachel Parker doesn't know shit about science. <laughs> and it goes back to like something that I said in the podcast. But um, before we hit record, I was joking that like my understanding of human biology and science is sort of comes from the same uh, area of how I know about cars, which is like uh, when shit breaks. I, I talk to someone about what's wrong and that's how I learn how like alternators work and timing chains and fuel pumps and like all that stuff. And like, now I know uh, all about the pelvic floor because I had to have a surgeon completely rebuild mine two years ago. So I was spouting off at the mouth on Monday. Uh, when we were talking about cannabis legalization about oddly enough about something my dad said. So do you want to go into what that was and politely correct me? Sure. So you made a comment and I'm going to let you contextualize at some point in time. Sure. Good. You had said something along the lines that your father had said that it m causes problems with your DNA. Like it mutates your DNA. Correct. And after you use cannabis, don't really think that he was talking about cancer because it's not like smoking. I think he was graduating this science aspect of what he was trying to make a point with. And then you came in and it's like, no, like, yes. hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll talk about, like, what substances actually do to your DNA, because I think this is fascinating. And I knew that, like, diseases obviously alter your body's DNA composition, or you wouldn't, they wouldn't kill you. That's one of the ways that they kill you, is that they change the way your cells function. That's one of the things that some diseases do. But I, when my father was saying, so my, my dad made this joke, for those of you who haven't listened to the Monday show yet, uh, or at all. My dad, this was years ago, was talking about uh, cannabis because pot, this is probably like back in 2012 when like Colorado legalized it or something. And he was talking to another member of our family and he said, well, we all know now that, uh, you know, marijuana is a gateway drug, which is, it's, it isn't. That's definitely fake science and utter bullshit. Um, and then he said, and that it permanently alters your DNA. And he was meaning that in the context of like brain damage, um, causing permanent physical addiction. And let's be clear, like cannabis can become physically addictive, but very rarely. And that if you smoke pot once, it, it permanently changes your body's DNA composition. That's what he meant. Um, so that's not entirely correct. But what I said on Monday was that pot doesn't do anything to your DNA which is also 
bullshit. So why don't I'm going to let the science teacher talk about science. Fancy that, right? Yeah. So you're not technically wrong from the way that he was thinking about it, but that's also, all I needed to hear. I'm going to go. Thanks a lot. Next. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> That little short phrase of whether or not I said, well, technically this is right or technically this is wrong or whatever it is, like immediately people could cut off the episode and kind of cherry pick that and be like, okay, that's done. That's all I want to hear. Confirm my bias and I'm right or wrong. But the problem is, is like it's way more complicated than that because most of school doesn't educate you on the science that's coming out. And even though it's been around for a while, the science doesn't really get accepted by the whole scientific community. So right. whenever you have genetics in a traditional format, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, this isn't how any of this works. Like this is drastic oversimplification of what the DNA double helix and all that kind of stuff is. And yeah. we never get to the interesting parts of it because by the time we take the end of a course exam in Missouri, like that thing only has what the DNA structure is and has nothing to do with gene expression in the larger sense of what the cool science that we now know is, which is what's missing from this entire conversation with your father. And I guarantee you that in no science class did any teacher I ever have use the words gene expression. Um, I don't even know, like, it's interesting we're talking about this because I, DNA and the study of it was probably in its infancy when I was taking high school science classes and I didn't take science um, after high school because it wasn't my area of study, but I did have very good science teachers. So my animal biology class was very good. And I knew what DNA was. I knew that it basically is like the building block of, of, of life essentially um, in, in a certain sense. Uh, and that there were these double helixes and I knew what it stood for. And, uh, but you know, you, in the mid 1980s when I was, um, taking science classes, which were all, again, very, I had a fantastic human biology teacher and I was lucky enough to have him during the AIDS crisis. So he really explained what HIV was, which was incredibly groundbreaking for a science teacher to have done at that time because the AIDS crisis was still relatively young and I feel very blessed for that. But, you know, we like, there weren't exonerations left and right yet that were coming from DNA testing. I don't think that, you know, that, that there was really nearly the level of knowledge, certainly on, that would have been, that would have impacted a high school curriculum when I was in school, which is a long way of saying, Nick, if I don't know what I'm talking about, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> like, these well, are things. That... That's actually true because you, uh, the Human Genome Project, whenever that was going on, that was Bill Clinton. Like, that's whenever we celebrated that we sequenced all of DNA. And at that point in time, we were very excited that we were going to find out the cookbook for all of the different diseases and all of the different gene expression like things. And we really didn't have a word for like gene expression in the way that we use it today, because the interesting thing is, is that we thought that we were going to have all that. Like we were like, oh, super excited. We're going to do all this. And then later on, they were really, really disappointed because we don't have a lot of genes available. And we're like, wow, we should be way more complicated in our genome than we are to be this kind of structure, to be this complicated of an or organism. So we were like, put ourselves way up on a throne and we're like super excited. And then all of a sudden we like get humbled because we're like, oh yeah, we're not as cool as we thought we were. 
but all of that came about much, much later on, like after, like whenever I was in school, right? Like we didn't really have this and it wasn't it's still trying really hard to get accepted by mainstream science because a lot of people think that they're classic geneticists. Like they're, they look at it and say, well, this is interesting, but at the same time, it doesn't explain a much. And now we know like it explains a whole lot. But I know that this information is not made widely public in public education at all. Like, it's not like we really get to it. I only did it in my classroom because I thought it was cool. And the kids are like, whoa, really what I eat really affects the way that my genes are expressed for me and my kids. I'm like, yeah. So just let's, let's, let's just go back to where I fucked up. Um, uh, when, okay, so let's say that like, um, let's just talk hypothetically, okay, uh -huh. Nick, utterly yeah. hypothetically, this would never happen in real life ever, ever. I would, I would only hypothetically have, let's say, uh, a, a way to ingest, uh, cannabis in my household. Hypothetically, hypothetically, right. Purely hypothetically. When again, hypothetically, I were to do that, say after a long day, or if my actual non-hypothetical uh, nerve pain was bugging the shit out of me and I was hypothetically utilizing uh, cannabis to try to mollify some of that discomfort, talk about, let's just start, talk about like what, how smoking cannabis or potentially anything um, could affect your DNA. So how it, how it changes your gene expression. See, I have the words now. Yeah. You gave me language. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, that's and that's that's kind of the thing. Like what we're talking about is called epigenetics, and it means like above the genome, right? Those that DNA helix twists and locks down so that it kind of silences stuff. And that's the technical term. It silences genes or it opens it up so that you can actually get to it and do things. And some of this has to do with like the receptors that we really know are involved in in cannabis as far as like the expression of all that kind of stuff that's how some of that happens as far as being able to have receptors but we the problem is is that what you guys touched on is we don't know enough about this because we can't do anything to research it and the problem is is that when we start looking at it it gets polluted because immediately it starts looking at what other drugs is the person ingesting we don't know everything that actually goes into works together or if somebody is hypothetically just using cannabis right how they were able to research that because it's all locked down. But what we do know, we do know it's not just that it causes cancer. We do know that these things cause epigenetic changes. And that makes anti-cannabis say, hey, well, we're right because it does modify the DNA, but they don't have the terminology for that. And it's like, well, one, we don't have enough research to be able to do that to separate from other drugs. But number two, we do know that that happens the problem is, is that these kids, when they get out, they hear this language and it scares people because they don't understand the terminology as far as like, oh, this is what's happening. You know, what's worse than that plastic and everybody uses plastic. So if you want to rate the things, plastic is way, way above marijuana. And I'd, I'd also argue probably alcohol too. Y yeah. I would like say that that's more, on the list. <laughs> the more that they, like the more they learn about, like there was a study that came up with like probably three years ago now, maybe longer that from a, it was a, it was a peer reviewed study. I think it came out in Britain, but it basically showed that people who drink have a far likelihood of lethal cancers than people who don't. And there's a chance that for people who drink 
frequently because we've always looked at out like wine has this reputation for being like this sort of healthy thing to do because it's like good for your blood which is also something that science has shown is utter horseshit right. um like no it doesn't open up your blood vessels or whatever like they've also shown that aspirin doesn't have the health effects that we once associated with it but that alcohol could actually be a very dangerous carcinogen but because nobody was looking for that at one point it didn't matter to people because nobody was looking to figure out what the impact, what the relationship was between cancer and alcohol. But like, what are the carcinogenic issues associated with cannabis? So carcinogen is like, resolves itself as far as cancer, right? And that's what it's actually going to cause as far as a smoke. So you have actual toxins in there, which will mutate the actual like nucleotides, which is a fancy way to say those little rungs of the ladder, they go back and forth between the helix. When you change those, yeah, that can cause cancer because what happens is the cells can't regulate their growth and their mitosis and all that kind of stuff. They can't, they divide radically out of control. So that's like the cancer side of it. So that is really like, you can get that from smoke inhalation, of, you know, burning buildings. And that's what we kind of see with like veterans and that type of stuff. Like whenever we had the first responders, that's part of what that is, right? That's what's really going on there is that the mutations inside of the DNA itself. And that's what some people are scared of. What this is, is actually how that overarching gene inside your own body to modify the way that your body is built. So the real concern that we're looking at that we don't know a lot about is that even things as far as like food or stress modify this epigenome, like things that you wouldn't even think get wrapped up inside of these helixes and it changes what your next generation's going to actually have. But for it to affect your children, for it to affect the next generation or for it to affect your yourself, it has to be done in these windows there's a window where it actually happens most likely. So if you're going to say that, you know, carcinogenic and cancer and all that kind of stuff, that makes sense with the smoke. What we're talking about is like next layer above the gene, you know, what does it actually mean whenever your body starts expressing the, the receptors on your neurons and glial cells? And I know this is all super terminology, but at the same point in time, like that's what's really going on with this is that it's the way that your body builds itself, which we just barely understand. So I'm not trying to like say that nothing happens, right? And I'm also not trying to say like scary stuff happens. The real threats that we see are so minimal in that respect as of right now with the data that to be able to say that this is a bigger concern than the amount of microplastics that exist in the water or the way that alcoholism and other pharmaceuticals run rampant throughout our society, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to pin it on this thing and to be concerned about it at all whenever I know that my clothes are shedding the way that you guys talked about uh, North Face, right? That's a problem. That's a real problem. This is like merp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's how this well, and, is. And right. And presumably the merp goes away if you don't smoke it, right? So if you eat it, it is a drug. It's going to have an impact on your brain chemistry while you're taking it. But, you know, when you eat, I'm just trying to like make sure that we cover all the bases because I know people utilize cannabis in a variety of ways right um when you eat it the chances of it 
causing any sort of gene mutation that would lead to cancer is i'm assuming so 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 fin it, it would probably have more to do with the ingredients in the gummy itself or the whatever you're eating than it would be the i just feel like the amount of marijuana that people eat is so the dosing is so small you're talking about grams right like you're talking right. about grams it's so tiny that the idea that it's going to cause like permanent i think what my dad meant let's be clear my dad meant permanent brain damage that's what he meant so nothing that you eat is going to cause and it might you know like nick said i think that there's um limited studies and they have to be anecdotal because nobody's been able to really study the long-term cognitive impacts of cannabis use because it's still a schedule one narcotic which hopefully will fucking change soon right and i i would venture to say like with what we understand about it is that the focus should definitely be placed somewhere else as of right now and the problem is is that when we start saying all of these fancy terms and we start over explaining it we get to the point where like we don't really, we've lost the audience, right? As we talked about at the very beginning, like you right. say like, oh, thanks, I'm right, bye, see you later. Like, that's cool. But the problem is, is that it takes so long to parse out the difference between what's gonna cause cancer for somebody and how afraid they should be of cigarette smoke and all these other kind of chemicals that we're pumping into our environment versus cannabis. And after the messaging has been there so prominently, when somebody hears like, oh yeah, mutate your DNA and you're going to have permanent brain damage in the future, right? As far as like looking at the, at the science and all that kind of stuff. But that's like such a big what if that the bigger thing is like how much food we eat. Like that's right. really what it's like. Criticize cannabis, go to McDonald's, like go figure out how that Caesar's pizza is actually affecting you after you get high instead of actually worrying about the cannabis itself but right. don't do it well but don't do it while you're high and while you're eating it because that's just gonna not end well like don't do that <laughs> to yourself but i think the important thing is is when we're talking about you talk a lot on the delta about the nature of bias and where it comes from and how it gets developed and how it gets created and I talk a lot about the reasons that socioeconomically those biases exist right now. And I will argue that one of the major impacts on these things is age, right? right. That, um, that we are dealing with a country predominantly made up of um, voters that are, that are a little bit older. And so what does it look like when a colleague of yours says, I need to educate you about something? And how do you respond to that, right? And I think the important thing is just for, just to be cool about it. Just, just say it nicely to somebody, right? Just say like, listen, I just need to tell you something. I know what you, I know you had good intentions, but that shit you said was absolutely completely factually incorrect. Do you mind if I give you some information? And then you, sh if that person has more information and more knowledge than you do about something, the answer to that should be yes. Now you get to dictate the terms of that, right? Like you get to say like, not right now, right? Like, right. yes, I do want to know about that, but I can't talk to you right right now because I'm at work or whatever. Um, and it should be, you know, it, it should be contextually appropriate, right? Don't mansplain to anybody. And certainly you don't have to listen to somebody that's like, can I share a video with you? You know, like you don't have to listen to any like armchair quarterback experts in medicine that don't have any training in science, but like you, you have you are what i don't know how shy are you of a phd like you've been teaching science for a long time so i think that it was very appropriate for you to tell me that i was wrong and i think that there's a way for you to accept that for people to accept that information in a way without turning into like 
babies about it, like baby children. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of wanting to be informed and not treating it with like, I completely reject that, or I cherry pick the information and put it into my little pocket so I can use it almost vindictively later, almost right. to like that's right. prove a point. That's one thing. But whenever you're talking to somebody like, Hey, be careful about this because I know it's way complicated, but if somebody comes in with this and you go, Whoa, wait a minute, they're going to try to tie you up in knots by out talking you when really what it is, is that, yeah, technically you may be wrong about us not understanding the epigenetic effects of cannabis, but at the same point in time, they might make it into a huge deal just because they read an article that uses these fancy terms and you didn't get that education in high school because we didn't have that information or because your teacher didn't understand it themselves or simply because we never tested over it. So the state didn't deem it as important. And I think that's important takeaway as well. Correct. Well, thanks, Nick. It was very nice to talk to you. I, I'm excited about doing this again when it's well, maybe on that couch, but we'll have to record some (laughs) other time. (laughs) I would love to. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks, Nick. The Delta is a mid-map media production. You can check us out at heartlandpod.com or follow us on Twitter at the Heartland Pod. Please also consider signing up for our Patreon so that you can get exclusive merchandise as well as additional shows. And we'll talk again another time.